0: Welcome to the Sendcast. My name is Dale Pickles. I'm the host of the Sendcast, and I'm also the managing director of B-Squared. If you are a new listener, welcome to the Sendcast. The aim of the Sendcast is simple. We want to reach lots of people and help you all learn about special educational needs and disability. Whether you're a teacher, teaching assistant, other professional or parent, this podcast is here to support you. This week, I have Abigail Hawkins as my guest. Abigail is an SEN consultant and runs Sensible SENCO, a community on Facebook which does much, much more. This week we're discussing outcomes. What are they and why do they matter? The SENCast is created and produced by us here at B Squared. We are the assessment people. We help show the small steps of progress pupils with SEND make. We help schools show progress for a wide range of abilities and ages. If you're a primary school struggling to show progress, struggling to identify where people isn't making progress, not sure about the Pre-Q Standard, not sure about the Engagement Model, we can help. Did you know you can also use B-squared assessment software for more than just your pupils with SEND? You can now assess all pupils in one system, saving you time and money, and simplifying the whole assessment process. Visit the B-squared website or click on the meeting link in the show notes to book a meeting with me to take you through our assessment software. Let's get on with the podcast. In this week's show, we're discussing outcomes and why they matter. My guest this week is Abigail Hawkins. Abigail is an SEN consultant from Senco Solutions. She also runs Sensible Senko, a networking support group for Senkos. Check them out on Facebook. And Abigail has been a Senko for over 25 years, covering a variety of subjects and phases. And until recently, she was the chair of governors for three schools. Don't ask me why. One was enough for me. And works with software companies to help develop software support, SEN. Welcome to the show, Abigail.
1: Thank you very much, Dale. Why three? I'm insane.
0: (laughs) So I both love and hate outcomes and the difference for me comes down to the focus and i've seen lots of schools which focus on the school's outcomes what they want their data to show what's important to the school they want that lovely data but other schools think of what is important for their students what are their students going to need in life and they work towards those outcomes for their students and i love those outcomes
1: I think we're probably on the same page. So I think
0: I kind of guessed that when he sent me the information, I went, yeah, I think we're on the same page. Here. Yeah.
1: I think there are three types of outcomes. So I think we, we talk about academic outcomes and they're the ones yep. that everybody, including my next door neighbor and his dog will talk about. They're the, it's the data that the general public is aware of. So their exam results, their SATS results, they are neat figures. They're they're academic outcomes and they are what drive senior leadership teams and academy trusts, local authorities and the government. I then think we have soft outcomes, which to be fair, generally get used as the excuses for when the academic outcomes are not good enough. So the soft outcomes are things like attendance, behaviour, whether or not they had a pen this morning. They're used as, you know, we, we do talk about them, they're very often moaned about, and we do generally measure them, but they they are soft outcomes. We, we want to improve attendance, we want to improve behaviour, we want to improve every child's access to education and make sure they have got a pen to use in classrooms. But they tend to be used as the excuse for poor academic outcomes rather than seen in their own right. And then I think there's a third set of outcomes, and you've touched on it. It's those life outcomes. And for me, they're the most important. They are the most valuable And they are the most important to our vulnerable students. I'm always going to come at this from an SEN perspective, but also from a pupil premium and EAL side of things. And I think they're the underdog. We don't very often talk about life outcomes in schools and we don't very often talk about the data that goes with those. And they very often don't get prioritised and they should be. Because there is no use a child sitting GCSE history and trying to remember, you know, the, the Weimar Republic or whatever it is they study in history these days. It always seems to be World War I and World War II, to be honest. There's no point them doing that if they can't write their own name or they can't catch the bus to school because they can't work out whether use a five pound note or a 50 pence piece. Those life outcomes have got to be more important than getting a GCSE grade G in history.
0: I'm gonna we're gonna come back to life outcomes. I think we'll spend a lot of time discussing that. But to me, they are really crucial. And what I like when 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 we record these podcasts, the guest comes up with a topic and they send me a form which they fill in, which gives me information to. And what I like is when I write it kind of into a bit of a script, which is the intro part, and this is just completely wherever we go. My mind then goes off on that topic for the rest of the day. <laughs> and I'm literally, I was sitting there sort of driving home from work going, right, I've used maths. Yes. I've used computing. Have I used German? <laughs> and I go, well, not, I've never been to Germany. I no. But then i go, going, but have I used maybe some of the skills in when I go to another foreign country and look at the menu? possibly could have, and i've gone through and gone which actual skills from my things have i used after that and don't get me started on the history syllabus how it hasn't changed in however many years since i was at school we're still doing world war one poems we're still doing the same it's like come on let's make it a bit more interesting but a whole other thing so yes academic outcomes we always talk about them and they are seen as the be all and end all of everything They are, as a country, we want to be high up in those PISA scores. So that's all about academic excellence. We want our Sunday Times League Tables at the end of the year. That's obviously very important to every parent until they realise they're useless after their child's joined schools. But it's a very important thing when you have no idea what it actually tells you. And also those schools who like to put a banner outside their school, which basically means, come here. Well, we won't, we'll ignore your child's needs, but they'll get a good grade if they're good enough, if not, we'll try and get rid of them type thing. And I know not all schools are like that, but there's certain, what do you call it, ethoses in schools and academic excellence and things like that. And the whole child don't really work together. And the other thing is, is when you, if you look at the white paper, the school's white paper, which came out early this year, it was all about getting 90% of children to the expected standard at the end of key stage two, and you just go, oh, how much funding are you going to give us? Oh, nothing, of course. Work even more magic teachers. But the reason B was that actually we want everyone to be able to, and they had this thing about going to prisons and doing research and attainment levels. And I went, great, but you've missed, you've missed the point. You're expecting everyone to be here. And they talked about the tutoring. And I looked into the tutoring program, which did English, maths and science at primary. That was it. It's not, not, anything beneath that. And this is where those soft skills come in. Yeah? If you're struggling with those academic, you're gonna to have to look at the soft skills generally. Yeah? And when there's soft skills, we're talking executive function. And I saw a thing on social media where a teacher had written, and I have no idea where this was from, it could be UK, US, UK, where anywhere. And it says, these things aren't hard. These, these things don't require any effort. Punctual, being ready for lesson, did that. And somebody had written, beneath in quite bad big handwriting these take a lot of effort and that thing for some reason remembering your keys remembering this you can just do you it just it's easy for you for me I do the whole tap in my pockets to make sure I've got things if I don't tap my pockets I'll forget them tap my pockets I'll remember but when you're younger you can be really bad at these and no one's You think everyone's bad and no one's helping you. And it's these executive function skills, the social skills, all that stuff around mental health all goes into those soft outcomes. And they are not an excuse, but they're often the reason why children aren't achieving academically. And I was really happy probably about 10, 12 years ago, where in secondary school, these pastoral teams were really big. And it's like, we've realised that it's not about just teaching the same, even more of the same thing. They're, they're, these children are struggling with something. And if we support them with that, the academic flies. And I was like, we've got this. And then when budget cuts happened, we got rid of the pastoral teams. And we've not gone back to, just teach more. Just teach more. Not enough hours in the school year. Yeah, the kids who hate school and the rubbish, we'll get them to summer school. We'll tutor them. No, no, no. Okay, I'll stop ranting. I'll go back to my cup of tea. I
1: think, yeah, I can remember probably 10 or 12 years ago, we had this idea of education change slightly. There's a different focus. And it was this notion that the jobs that the children of tomorrow will do don't currently exist.
0: Can I just mention that podcasting didn't exist in 1980 something when I was in primary school or 1990 something when I was at secondary school? Yes, just remember, you're listening to something which didn't even thought of in that time period, yes? And Sensible Senko Facebook group, let alone, what are you going to do? I'm Yeah, how could you explain that to a secondary school or a primary school child in the 90s that that's what you were going to be doing for your living? Does not make any sense. So what will our children be doing? Let's just, yes. YouTube. No, we're YouTube, but with something else, something we haven't. Come up with yet
1: exactly, but you know we couldn't have thought we were going to be YouTubers in the 1970s, 1980s.
0: (laughs) We could be be MySpaces if you're old and into tech at that age, but most people listening to podcast go what?
1: MSN chat rooms, I'm afraid. Anyway, back to it. So we we came up with this idea in education that we would teach children a skills based curriculum. So we would teach them the skills that they needed to be able to access whatever they needed in the future. Yes. problem was, as you say, it wasn't particularly well-funded. It didn't have an academic outcome tied to it. So therefore, it it became something they did in Year 7 and Year 8 that replaced the humanities, perhaps because they couldn't get a humanities teacher in or replaced music because they were desperate for music teachers. And it it became diluted into basically a set of study skills that nobody really knew what they were teaching or how to deliver it because they had no training on it. And then because it didn't deliver any academic measurable outcome, they kind of scrapped it. Or at least that's my perception of what happened in the majority of schools. And yet for a lot of our students, that that skills-based curriculum, teaching the skills of how to work out what is fake news how to manage their bank account i have a 19 year old son i've actually had to explain to him over the last couple of weeks how to move money from one bank account to another bank account He's like well nobody taught me this at school it's well no they don't teach you at school but maybe we should yes <laughs> yeah. yes Really silly things like that. And they are, they're soft outcomes, but they're they're also life outcomes, I think. And they're really, really important. And for for a lot of my students, bear in mind, I come from that SCN world with students who are not going to be getting a, a great big clutch of GCSEs with really great grades and going on to university. We're talking students who would struggle to get Fs and Gs if they were very lucky. They they didn't need German. <laughs> they didn't need, you know, they might enjoy German, which is absolutely fine. There's a difference between enjoying something and needing something. Yes. I'm quite happy for them to attend the German lessons and have fun. I do not feel that they need the pressure of sitting the exam at the end of it just to get a U. I'm sorry, you know, they might yeah. as well do the entry-level paper or have a school certificate to say that they've done it. Those students needed to be taught, okay, so this is German and you're going to go to France. But here's the skills that you can use from your German lessons when you're in France or when you're in Spain or when you're somewhere else. It it's it's about that for me because that's what my students need and you know, needed, and I still believe they need.
0: Well, I think the whole reason we've moved away from skills to knowledge yep. comes down to how can we judge them?
1: Oh, how, how, can can we, how,
0: how can we measure it? And the answer is an exam. Yeah. We want all the children to write the same answer. Nice bit of conformity. Whereas if they're doing essays and showing the skills they have in this topic and that topic and that topic, then the people marking it need to know something about all those different topics to be able to mark it. So let's not do that. Let's just have an exam where this is the answer. It has to be written that way. And then what we'll do is an exam board, we'll completely muck it up. We won't pay our markers. It's a whole thing on social media. <laughs> can't tell we're doing this in August, can you, when we're recording this? But yeah, to me, the whole idea is this is a very simple way of judging people's knowledge in this area. Yeah. So if they, if they can demonstrate the knowledge and provide the correct answers, then we'll do that. And what this has led to is you've got schools which are just more or less from year seven teaching to the exam yep how was school today oh we did a test there was a six marker and it was literally in year seven and eight my daughter is knowing how to answer six and seven marker questions not how to demonstrate knowledge or skills or anything like that or interests but how to write for exams
1: yeah it's so wrong isn't it It's so wrong do you know the michael rosen poem the data have landed No. Do uh, indulge me for a second. It's a very short poem, but I, I think it really sums it up. He wrote it in 2018, I think. So he said, first, they said they needed data about the children to find out what they are learning. Then they said they needed data about the children to make sure they are learning. Then the children only learnt what could be turned into data. Then. The children became data. Yeah, and that really is what it is now, isn't it? It's 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 nothing to do with are we generating individuals that can drive society forward for the future. It's can we measure that child?
0: It's 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 a whole thing. We we value what we can measure. We don't measure what we value. Yeah, and for my daughter who has gone through the GCSE, so she's come out. I was very happy with primary. I really, I'd hoped that from my time in secondary school, secondary school would have improved. I would say my daughter coasted through secondary. I don't know what she, I think she did pretty well, but she has not enjoyed it. She waits. Everything needs to be given to her. Yeah. Spoon fed. Spoon fed. You probably, you got to, but everything has to be in spoon. I can't go out and do it myself because they haven't had any project work. They haven't had, right, this term, we're just going to do a topic on this. Off you go and I'll help. And, you go and do what you want. None of that. It is all, we're going to do this because there'll be a six mark on this. We'll do this because there's a 10 mark. We'll do this because there's a four mark on this. It is purely all of that. And I've come to the realization that my whole of my daughter's education was nothing about her. It was about the school, the local authority and the country and PISA scores. And that's made me very depressed. And I'm now looking at my younger daughter who's just going into year nine. I'm like, yeah, just grim and bear it for another three years. Yeah. I, I can't give you any i can't even say on the topics that i've loved i can't give her any wow or anything because they're not going to do it
1: no it is it's so so frustrating and yeah, you know I, i'm not trying to dismiss academic outcomes academic outcomes are important
0: if you want to do that sort of thing
1: if you want to do that sort of thing but should children be measured on that And more importantly, should a school's actual performance be measured on academic outcomes? Because, you know, you and I get to visit lots of schools across the country, Dale, and I'm pretty sure you'll agree with me here that some of the schools that have absolutely excellent academic outcomes have appalling provision for some of their students and appalling standards for some of their staff. The, The work ethos there is not great. And local authority and trust, I'm not differentiating between two here. It can happen in both, and it is so wrong it, we shouldn't be you know going to work just to get a result that looks good on a piece of paper for somebody. We should be going to work to to teach to deliver something that allows our students to progress, allows them to use that word. you used thrive that allows them to become citizens of the future, but also allows us to feel valued in what we are delivering. It's so frustrating. I I was asked to deliver a GCSE. I I am a GCSE. I am a scientist. Let's just put the cards on the table here. I am a scientist originally. I have only ever taught GCSE science once in my career. In 25 years, being in the classroom, I only taught it for one year. I was asked to take that GCSE science group. They were, we were streamed in our school. So good old fashioned traditional bottom set, whatever you want to call them. They, there was 18 students, a lot of them were EAL, but all of them would have been pupil premium, quite a lot of them would have been on my SEN register, not that SEN registers exist, but they were all very low ability. They, 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 were, they were the lower end of the ability to pass a GCSE science program. So some wizard had decided that BTEC science would be a better option for them because at the time BTEC still counted towards the school's progress scores. I know they don't now, but they did at the time. So it was BTEC science. The only problem with BTEC science was that they had to produce lots of written reports. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing that my students could not do was write a written flipping report. They'd have been better off with a GCSE exam paper with a couple of one-mark and two-mark questions where they could just regurgitate an answer or label a diagram. Yeah. They couldn't cope with proper scientific reports. And they were set up to fail. They, they, They were set up to fail. But also, I was set up to fail is probably how I felt about it. Yeah. Did those children need a GCSE science, a BTEC science? No. (laughs) Did they need the knowledge of science? Yes. Could we have done it for the fun of science? Yes. I love science. You know, I'm a science teacher. I'm going to love it. Could I have delivered something to them that allowed them to be able to read their electricity meter and know that they needed to turn off a few devices or that, you know, Explain to them why you don't leave the gas turned on while you go and hunt for the matches. Could we have done something with science that was useful for them? Absolutely, yes, definitely. Was teaching them the science that we did particularly useful? The nitrogen cycle is that kind of thing. No, not really. No. Did they, did they really need to know you know how insulin works within the body if they were diabetic? Possibly, yes. Otherwise, no, not necessarily. It's, it's not, you know, do, I, do I even remember it myself without having to refresh my memory? Not necessarily. I haven't used it for quite a while, but yeah, you know, it, it's, it's that kind of thing.
0: That's the thing is actually that whole idea of a knowledge-based curriculum. We want them to know things. It's like, right, so in, in the real world, I'm going to go reach down here and pick up my phone and Google. Yeah, if I'm not 100% sure, I'll just quickly Google and there'll be something. Yeah, it's like when they were at school they said, well, you're not going to walk around with a calculator in your pocket the entire time, are you? I'm going to walk around with a calculator and the entire Encyclopedia Britannica and more and everything else in my pocket, thank you. And
1: a camera.
0: <laughs> and a camera. And that's the thing. This whole knowledge base to me is flawed. And I, I, I'm partway through a book, which is knowledge versus skills. But I'm get, I keep getting angry and I'm walking away because the uh, person who's done it had made so many assumptions at the beginning that the whole thing is flawed. I want to get through it. So just to get to their conclusion, I need to go back to that book. But yeah, these academics, and there's a big push with the new GCSE grades. It's not a push, it is a fact that the only things that count towards the Progress 8 scores are GCSEs. The only things which do the whole EBAC, if you're doing that, are GCSEs. So for the school, it is better that every child takes and fails GCSEs then does something which is better for that child. That is literally how the whole system is set up. It is better to fail the child to make the school look better than to support the child and make the school look bad.
1: But it doesn't make the school look bad. This is
0: It does, because the local authority tells them off, and then the government well, tells them off, and then we failed.
1: Those of us who understand it, it doesn't make them look bad. We're meeting the needs of the children. We're, we're delivering a new population who can do things. But if I just look at the data... <laughs> or oh, stop looking at the data.
0: And that's the thing is, I am Mr. B-squared. I love data. <laughs> and I remember doing my governor training is, you've got to remember, this isn't just data, these are pupils. And that's the thing is, behind every graph I ever create or do, it is because I'm trying to tell you something about the children. Yeah? Uh, we don't do flight path. We don't do that because... Special needs doesn't work that way. I want to either celebrate there is progress or help identify where there's not progress, yeah? And look for patterns, yeah? That sort of data, yeah? Because it was that phrase measuring a pig doesn't make it fatter or something is an old phrase or something, yeah? The whole measuring doesn't. But if you can measure that pig and then realize, okay, oh, that's interesting. we You could make a difference for the next pig and just because I'm not referring to children as pigs. But the idea is it won't change that child But if you can learn for something which may have worked or not worked and do more of that, it is going to have a benefit. So measuring and assessing for the purpose of supporting that child is right. Measuring for judgment and data, uh, local authority, wrong. Right. Let's move away from academic. (laughs) We'll be ranting for ages.
1: I was just going to mention reading gauges as a, a really, you know, bland example, if you like. You could have a student, let's say they're, I'm going to use year seven as an example. So they came to you at the beginning of year seven, they were below their expected reading age. I'm not going to say by how much at the moment. By the end of year seven, they've both been in an intervention program. One of them is reading at 12 years, which is around about correct. The other one is reading at nine years, which is still behind. However, when they started out, the first child who's currently reading at 12 was reading at 10. So they've only made two years progress in a year. Great. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. The child who is reading at nine started off with a reading age below five. They've made four years progress. Whose outcome gets celebrated more by the school? It's the one that got the higher reading age by the Senko, Sorry, because that's me. It's the child that made the greater progress. Yes, because they've just they've leaped. And you're you know B squared does that because you're looking at those small steps of progress. They were pretty big steps, but it's those tiny steps of progress. And while I'm on that one, what I find really frustrating—you've got me going. I've wound her up. You wound me up. You wound me up. It's when somebody says, "Oh, okay, they're not doing very well at this, so we're going to put an intervention in place." And so perhaps I'm going to use maths as an example. They've done a maths test. So they perhaps did their SATs in maths and they didn't get a great result. They were below age-related expectation. So they put an intervention in place that delivers something that is about times tables. And then they use the same original assessment that assessed all aspects of maths and only had two questions on times tables in it. And then they wonder why the child hasn't made progress on that assessment. Please,
0: no, think no. it. there's a whole thing around intervention, which I've discussed previously on podcasts about you need, and I don't, I'm, I'm doing a webinar about it in September, so you'll find it on the B squad website, the importance of assessment, yep. yeah, so you did the SATs test and that gave you a score Yeah. in terms of approving that score is useless. <laughs> if they got 40% cool. 40% is useless. Yeah. What I want to know is what did they get? Right? What did they get wrong? Where are all the holes? Yeah, that is where I work on. Yeah, me going, well, they did rubbish in their math sats and interventions. I use this timetables one. Right, we'll do that. No. Assess and identify where the holes are, then target intervention. Otherwise, you are just wasting everyone's time and effort and everything. Because as you said, if you doing all that in your maths and they don't make a huge... Wow, you spent a year or however long doing that and actually... It's had no real impact. And actually the underlying thing is they might not actually understand numbers and quantity. I was on a podcast where it's sort of going, they didn't understand the difference between 5,000 and 10,000. They couldn't visualize it. So somebody helped them do that. And their maths instantly approved because they could kind of see the the numbers in their head and their maths got instantly better.
1: If you're measuring something, you've got to be measuring what it is you're delivering, not something generic. Yes. Well, what,
0: let's move on. <laughs> so yes, soft. We're gonna get back to we're gonna to touch on soft and then we're gonna move on to life. But yes, a soft is you are talking about social, emotional, communication, interaction, and that executive function, the organization. But you also one of the things is some children don't have a sense of time. Yeah. You hear the term sense of time, it is a sense. It's not just a phrase. I didn't I didn't really twig this. The idea of a sense of time is a sense. Yeah. Some people will sit there and go three hours will go and other people, a minute's gone. It's like, God, how long has it been? Different senses of time. Yeah. So there's all of these things around these soft skills will really (laughs) decide if a child is going to thrive at school or not. Yeah. They might be rubbish at something, but they, if they have all of these things here, they could really enjoy it and be rubbish. Yeah, (laughs) But that's a very big difference. Yeah. If, if we can look at support from their social, their emotional, that communication, that interaction, and remove a lot of their barriers to being in school because they're enjoying the non-structured times, they're getting on well with their peers, they have friends, they can understand what's being asked for them. All of that is a load of barriers. Now, then you get this executive function, organisation, being ready, understand. all of that is another load and yeah this is something that if they don't have the soft skills it's not just their academic outcomes that will be impacted their entire life yeah gets impacted and it's it, sometimes i I'm, I'm i'm good at some things i'm rubbish at other things so what i've learned is if i always put my keys in a certain three places i only have to look for three places
1: <laughs> yes
0: whereas if i just put them down wherever i hate so i will now I'll be upstairs and I'll go put my keys down and go, no, and I will walk down and put them where I should, and then walk back upstairs, which sounds like, why would you do that? And the answer is, because I know where my keys are now. It's in one of three places and only three places. And it's just that I've learned that. So I'm of certain things, executive function, I'm a bit rubbish at, but I've got my outcomes. I've I've got my strategies to improve that. But that's taken me time to develop, and if someone had helped me, and go. Have you tried this? Have you tried this? Have you tried this? Or you're rubbish at this. It's not because you're rubbish. It's actually because of there's an ex- thing called executive function, which I only really learned about in the last ten years of so it ever. I'm saying what that meant. I thought that was like executive, as like a CEO in a company. <laughs> what is an executive function? Well, he runs a company. No, no, that's not what executive function means. It's so that's the thing is, it's I had no idea about executive function. Which child? in school knows about executive function
1: i don't think we teach it we we really don't we you know we we moan at children for not being organized but we don't teach them how to be organized so we we say we
0: do we give them detentions if they're not organized teach
1: them punishes them for not being organized (laughs) yes i don't don't like detentions i don't like exclusions either (laughs) it's you know my son's school, they've got a new head teacher coming in. He's my third son, I should say. So secondary school is going into year eight, got a new head teacher coming in. We've just had the new behavior pack delivered to the house. When I say behavior pack it's about a 30 page document. It's quite clear where they have taken some of their behavior strategies and ideas from. If you if you're on edgy Twitter or on Facebook, you, you'll recognize where these are from straight away. But it's, it's things like, you know, must have two black pens, two green pens, whiteboard pen provided by the school, must have X, Y, Z in their equipment all the time. Now, you know, I'm a professional. If I forget to take something, then, you know, it's on me. I'm going to get into trouble. If I forget to take my laptop to a presentation. I'm going to be in trouble. If I've given a child a set of equipment, can I expect them to try and look after it for the day? Yes, please. That would be nice. But genuinely, come on, a kid's forgotten a pen. A kid's forgotten their their whiteboard pen that the school issued them last week because they were using it last week, doing their homework at 11 o'clock at night because they forgot to do it earlier than that. Should I really be punishing them for that? Or should I be teaching them some organizational skills to remember to bring it the next time? That would be nice. But that's the thing,
0: you literally listed pens, 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 I mean, a tractor, compass. The list was probably a very long list, yeah?
1: Very long list, and I have a stationary addiction anyway, so they're about to be the top of my mind.
0: But for me, if I had to go do a presentation somewhere, I need two things. A laptop, yep. a power supply.
1: Yeah.
0: But I'm using them anyway, so I don't really have to remember them. No. I'm not having to remember some random something. Yeah. Oh, I need internet. It will be there. <laughs> it will be there so <laughs> that's the thing it's i just yeah i get i I don't like all of those things i get annoyed i was yeah
1: let's let's do pe kit he has two sets of pe kit so I, i have no idea why they have two sets of pe kit but when he was in year seven he got a lunchtime detention for wearing the wrong pair of socks with the pe kit they have two different pairs of socks is like even i wouldn't remember which pair of socks i need to wear for that does it actually matter they were a clean pair of socks yeah yeah not really we'll,
0: move, we'll move on because <laughs> I, I know I, I, I read eddie twitter and i follow one person who generally his behavior is very much you probably know the same person without mentioning who that is and you just sit there and go adults don't do this at which point have your teachers lined up outside the staff room? At which point is any adult ever expected to do what the child is? So why are we doing it? What is just, there's a load of things I really don't understand apart from where someone goes, well, it worked for me, or it's made me in the man I am. Well, any of that rubbish or it's the way we've always done it. It's come on. And I did a podcast recently, which I recorded, which should hopefully come out before this. And we're talking about joined up handwriting. Where do you see joined up handwriting in the world?
1: Now I use joined up handwriting.
0: You use it, but where do you see it apart from in what you own writing?
1: Generally speaking, only when somebody hand writes something to you, which they don't do anymore because they email me and I live in a technological world.
0: So this whole thing of teaching joined up writing and all this, I'm going, why?
1: But from an SEM perspective, if you've got a child with dyslexia or sometimes some children with autism, who struggle with spellings? They prefer to see it as a picture. So the whole word, as one joined together, is a picture for them.
0: The focus should be on clear, legible handwriting. Now
1: that's the one: clear, legible handwriting. Whether that's joined or not doesn't matter.
0: Mine is a in between. Sometimes joined, sometimes not. Halfway through words, I like joining some words. I hate joining s's, so they don't. But it's readable. If you ask me to do block capitals, it's atrocious. You've obviously joined up. It's atrocious. If I can do a mixture of everything together, it's readable.
1: Exactly. And that's what that's what we should be aiming for. We should be pitching for Let's What, what would that come under? Soft outcome? Academic outcome? Life outcome?
0: All three, I think. Legible handwriting is an all three because it's part of a communication interaction. It's You're going to use it in your life for shopping lists, for, for paperwork, but it's an academic thing, but... Right. Let's move on to those life outcomes. Yeah. The least valued thing in education, completely not even, it's even below soft outcomes. Life outcomes probably never comes into it apart from if someone turns around and said, I think you'll find that a degree is a life outcome. No. <laughs>
1: it to the current government, but go on. <laughs>
0: yes. So life Outcome. So obviously at B squared we do a lovely framework called Steps for Life, which breaks life outcomes into in ours it's post sixteen. We have academic, which is all that functional stuff. Yeah. So when we think about academic, there's there's learning history, there's learning that English for pleasure, the literature that pleasure side, but there's a functional. Yeah. Can you read this? Can you access? Can you understand that? So we've got that academic bit in there, but then we have those employability skills. Yeah. And then we have the life skills and life skills is so much bigger than people realize because you have the, oh, there's, there's the food, there's the washing, there's clothing, there's travel. Cool. I can now survive. But then there's socializing, understanding yeah. the weather, yeah. what the hell is going on in the political climate? What are the news? How can I be part of the, it gets much bigger and it's again, so I'm going to use that term thrive. Yeah. Because if you look at, if, if you know what PIP is, the personal independent payments, and you look through the criteria, it is, if you meet these, you will survive. Yes, we will help you survive. We don't want people to survive, we want them to thrive. And if some of those skills are, they can do that, but they can be part of that local community, they can go down to the social club, they can go to the library, and actually meet people and have friends, that will make them thrive. And if you have children who in your school who don't have those social skills and things like that, they aren't going to go off into a career as a scientist and it might be a more practical career. They might go into, you can go from fully supported living. Into, there's a huge scale. What skills do they need?
1: Isn't is that a, a you know million dollar question? They need, they need
0: everything. Well, I I Googled after doing this. Things I wish I learned in school.
1: Yeah, that'd be good.
0: <laughs> and what I've done is I've put a few of these I found in the link. So you can go, if you look for the one on Cosmopolitan, there's various female things, which I think, yeah, that's not quite appropriate for the general public. Things like that, bra sizes. I don't personally need to know about bra sizes. But I've gone for a couple of which are either from teaching things or general. But I've got a short list.
1: Okay. So mental health. Yes need to understand our own mental health and the mental health of others. Self-care. Yeah.
0: Mindfulness. Yeah. Emotional regulation. Mm -hmm. Self-esteem.
1: Yeah.
0: Personal finances. Definitely. Reframing negative thoughts. Mm -hmm. Importance of sleep. Definitely. Critical reasoning and discussion. Because that used to be, I think, a bit of a big thing. But now we've gone to this very much exam-based thing. That's kind of gone apart from using certain phrases in your answers.
1: We used to teach AS-level critical thinking.
0: <laughs> there you go. Time management. Yes. And nutrition. Yeah. Now, there was a whole load of other things which would come up on some of the lists. And basically, personally, what person I took them down to is it was like learning how to plaster learning how to check wire plug learning how to change a light bulb learning how to which are very but it's almost like the ability to take on something new and not be afraid and th- this isn't these things aren't for SEN these are what every person wishes they learnt in school oh, yes. and and what's interesting is if you are from a non-SEN household you will go and do all the holidays you'll go and do all these things and you'll have a I'm going, to say, I'm going to air quote normal life. I'm going to air quote that because what is normal? As soon as you have a child with SEN where things, the home life is different, where they, you can't do all of those things and you're supporting that child, you're, they won't experience various things. You might go do all the food shopping without them. You might get all the clothes without them. You might do all of this stuff. They might never get on a train somewhere because they can't cope with things. So they're missing out on all these experiences, which they would just almost like learn through osmosis how things work. So they go through often a quite a sheltered life. Might not be getting out of the house much or the park or school. That might be the three points they go to. I might just go home and school and nothing else. So there's a load of skills like transport. All load of stuff which they've never ever come across that they need.
1: I came across a, a, an interesting article the other day, and it might even have been yesterday. It was it was about a, a sixteen-year-old, I believe it was a girl who had gone to the coffee shop with her friends. It was the first time her parents had allowed her to go out with her friends independently. So she'd gone out to the coffee shop with her friends ordered a, a coffee or whatever it is that teenagers order and then the person at the till had asked her for money and she just looked at them with what well, you mean I have to pay she had never in her previous 16 years whenever she'd gone to the coffee shop with her parents mum had just swiped the credit card and this child had never made the link between swiping the credit card and it being a payment made for the coffee she just thought that you went in you ordered it and mum was collecting some points or something on her card that was not a child with special educational needs that was no i I, might i kind of read it three or four times before it was like wow how can you get that far in life without realizing
0: because we always grew up with money 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 paper physical money yeah
1: absolutely and we
0: always saw that and we now know that this digital process of just touching a card on something, or even your watch yeah. or your phone, is a digital version of that. Whereas if you've never had that physical process of paying for something and getting in and disappearing out your bank account, you'll never understand no. that That by osmosis that, that is that. It's, you just see it and not understand what it is.
1: I, I, <laughs> my, my mind was slightly blown by that one, but I thought it was a lovely example of it's perhaps – how we wrap our children a little bit too much in cotton wool. Sometimes we're, we're not we're not exposing them to everything that they need. You know, you, you talked about nutrition in that one. So you know, we are that life skill of knowing what is good to eat. That it doesn't all come out a packaged, prepackaged meal that you heat up in a microwave. That sometimes you do actually have to peel the potatoes. That it, I can't even remember what I was reading, but there was another example on there. It was a a young man who it, he'd gone to university. He was a very entitled young man is probably the best way of describing it had servants in the home who usually did everything for him gone to university though got up wanted his fried egg breakfast so attempted to make a fried egg breakfast and then asked his roommate why is this so crunchy he had literally cracked the egg shell and all into the frying pan <laughs>
0: But you don't know what you don't Don't, know. uh,
1: Yeah. How many times do I use that phrase? You don't know what you don't know. And until you experience it, you don't get that opportunity. And isn't that what school is about? It's about giving children the chance to experience things and make safe mistakes.
0: The other one which I should have put on this list, which I left, I don't know why I left it. It was on one of them, but not on all of it. It was, it's okay to fail.
1: Oh God, Definitely. Dale, how often have you failed? Because I've failed multiple times.
0: I've never failed. I've just found lots of ways it doesn't work.
1: <laughs> okay, Einstein.
0: <laughs> that, that's how it, that is that's a failure. Yeah. 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 If you've never failed, you're very lucky. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or you're not trying that hard. <laughs> you're not setting your bigger challenges. Yeah. No one ever does no one doesn't fail every person who's gone for anything has failed it's what you do when you fail yeah and you for me i literally i will literally how did i fail what did i fail what did i miss? and i'll and hopefully i'll work out okay i could have done something then and i will not make this i'll make a new mistake next time
1: yeah
0: i personally absolutely definitely haven't queued up at the completely wrong terminal at gatwick and then got to the desk and went No, that flight's even from the other terminal. I've personally definitely never had that run onto the train to the, definitely never made that mistake with my wife having a go at me for not paying attention. Definitely not done that. Never arrived at a hotel on holiday a day early and confused. (laughs) We all make mistakes. We do. You get in a rush. There are reasons. There are things. There are. Calendars which start on Monday in some places and Sunday in others, and it just visually mucks your head up. So you then learn that thing you fail, you find a strategy to overcome. Yeah. But it
1: it is these
0: all these skills. And I look at most of these and think for every person with a job right now, (laughs) mental health, self care, mindfulness, emotional regulation, self esteem, personal finances, reframing their thoughts, importance of sleep time management, nutrition, are very important for every single one of us. And yet we're supposed to just get it from nowhere.
1: We need to teach those things and not punish when we can't do them. So the time management, the punctuality, the, you know, the lack of sleep, we, we shouldn't punish somebody because they didn't go to bed last night. We let them face the consequence of not having gone to bed last night in a safe environment, and hopefully they won't do it again you can't, you can't, no, we, we, we need to teach, not punish.
0: That teach, not punish is interesting is I said to my daughters, I don't really need to punish you for what you've done, but I've kind of got to punish you, not in a horrible way, but kind of, you've done something wrong. If I don't give you a punishment, it doesn't have to be a horrible thing, which you don't like. You won't learn to not do that. And, Understanding their consequences Conce- is part of that. So, if you do this, it's there's this, and it might be they have their phone taken away, it might be this. And I said, if you do this in the real world, this it, it, it could be you could go to jail, yeah, yeah, or it could be if you do this at work, you lose your job. If you lose your job, you might lose your house because you the consequences are really big and you kind of got the ha- have that you what your actions have consequences but i've also had to my daughter's off to college and she's going to get a train there which she's not done before and they remember saying to her oh what we'll do over the summer i'll go down there with you so you know and i stopped them myself i went no no go find it yourself
1: Got google on your phone it's in your pocket
0: <laughs> here's the app i use yeah you're going from this station to this station here's some money bye absolutely and I had to let her which was a bit odd I wanted to but she had to go and find out her own way and we live in a train line goes past where the trains only once an hour and she was going to meet up with her friend and her friend missed the train because she was late by three minutes so they had to sit at the station for another hour and I went yeah you'll learn not to be late after a few times of doing that won't you
1: like when we had our first indulgence of alcohol and then experienced the morning after. Most of the time you learn the mistake, though.
0: Yes. <laughs> or you blame it on the food. It's never the alcohol's fault.
1: Well, <laughs> but no, they have to. They have to experience it. And as you say, it's consequences. It's, it's understanding what the consequences are or could be, not necessarily punishment, though.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's the thing is... Yeah, I'm not uh, go to. I'm not one of those old school. uh, No smacking. No go to bed without dinner. No this. It's not that sort of stuff. It is generally losing access to something. Yeah, I've got to do something. But what their worst part of it is the two hour lecture while I explain what they did (laughs) wrong. That's the worst part, apparently.
1: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Yeah, don't tell dad. He'll give me one of those lectures. But it is. Is my job is I explain you did this, this is why it's wrong. And generally also the word, sorry, what that means means I, I I will try not to do it again. If you keep saying sorry for the same thing, you're not really sorry, whole other thing. But then you have to look under that. Okay. This is where you get into special needs zone of they know they say sorry when they do this, but what they might not understand why they did what was wrong. There's a whole other thing. So you have to unpick that unpick it. as well. So I've, I've going, why are you still doing this? And I've sat there and went, oh, okay. Cause they're not balancing things up in the way I expect them to. So there's the collective family and what they want and they don't always overlap, do they? And so it's again, but it is always sometimes when you make a mistake in trying to do something, you've missed out part of your working out. But when you get into relationships and time management and things like that, Generally, it's a conflict of priorities. My daughter wants to play Roblox. My daughter wants to do this. My daughter wants to do that. But she has to do this. And it's that wants and has and learning how to balance that is hard.
1: As parents, as well as anything else.
0: Yes. And it's all those things. That's the thing is I think as parents, we weren't taught these skills.
1: No, but we were allowed to experience them.
0: Not everyone. Not
1: all of them and not everyone, no. But going back to the money one, we were allowed to experience it. Going yes. into the corner shop and not having enough money to buy 12-penny sweets, you learned you need a 12p next time, not 10p. Or you yes. the other two in your pocket.
0: <laughs> it's very much, however much money I can scrape behind the back of the sofa is how many sweets I can buy.
1: Exactly. As opposed to, I'm going to swipe a card. I'm yes. not really have a concept of it. I, you know, I go back to, I, I spoke about my eldest son and transferring money from one bank account to the other. I also had to explain to him about what a bank overdraft was because he'd, he'd got a payment that had gone out that was more than the money he'd got left in his bank account. He doesn't have an overdraft. So the bank took the money and then bounced the money back in again, but he hadn't realized that. And he's like, oh no, the bank just gave me the money. No, they didn't. (laughs) They're probably going to charge you for it.
0: That's just cost you £25. Yeah,
1: (laughs) which is more than it went over by. (laughs) But it's, you know, we don't, because they don't have that tangible physical money to handle anymore, they don't necessarily understand it. And we're not teaching them the new ways. We're not teaching them about electronic money.
0: (laughs) That's the thing is when you went out... The money thing is really tangible because I, I remember I'd, I'd go, I'd have my clothing allowance for my parents. I'd get my 25 quid out or 30 quid out and I'd go shopping. It was like when that wallet opened and it was empty. Yeah, that was it. And I walked into my pocket and there was nothing. I was out of money. Yeah. So I always had to know, well, I've got to keep this last amount of money for the bus. After, I guess, that was quite simple. But they do fingerprints at school. They, they, they do not spend money. They just walk up and they touch their finger and they get lunch. There's, there's no concept of how much money, and it is even hard for us as adults when you literally look at bank. where's my money gone? And you look at it and go, oh yeah, we did that, that, that went out for a meal, went to the cinema. Oh dear, that's a lot of money gone. And I remember it was quite depressing years ago, going, going shopping, doing something else, getting two new tires and something, in four hours we got through 500 quid oh yeah
1: yeah
0: and it was like that's depressing but we're not teaching them we're not all these things there's no scope because as parents most parents aren't fortunate enough to have the time to teach them through doing things and also we were in a world where we made things so efficient that We don't, you don't even see it in the process. You are just touching the phone. So you're not picking up what's going on. Whereas when you used to ask for the bill and you used to put notes down, that's very much.
1: But also, I I think it's got even worse more recently. And we've gone completely off tangent here. But it's got worse recently in that it's contactless. You don't even need to put your PIN number in. At least when you were putting the PIN number in, you were actually having to physically look at a screen. And you would see a number on there. I don't know about you, but I've got into the habit recently of just going, oh, yeah, fine, tap. I don't even look what the number is. No. It, or, or you, I mean, the screens get in the way because of COVID and all the rest of it, but you're kind of reaching around this screen and you just tap a card without actually seeing, and this person's muttered a number at you, and you, you just go, yeah, sure, and tap.
0: We we always play the how much is our Tesco shop.
1: <laughs> Children play that.
0: <laughs> and we are like, oh, it's 70 quid, that's about 80 quid. It was 115 and you're going, oh, yeah. get the receipts out. And you go, oh my God, how much has that gone up? <laughs> but it, 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 again, it's a whole budgeting. There's all of these things that children aren't learning because of the way we all live our lives now. Whereas probably my mum's mum used to go, I've got however much threepence halfpenny or whatever it was back then to last me an entire week's worth of food and would budget and go, well, if I buy this, I can use that for this meal. I can use the bones to make a soup. I can, I, and they will make it work. Well, for the last 20, 30 years, most schools, most schools, most families haven't hugely had to do that level of budgeting. Yes, we've got all the food banks mm-hmm. and all that lot, but I don't think a lot of families fully budget or think about where their money goes and things like that, they just kind of end up in a situation where it's all gone wrong and gone, ah, actually, if you pick it apart, there are changes that could have happened. There are things like that, which, but it comes back to, you don't know what you don't know. You didn't know the, it's like one of the things, some bank accounts now do a thing of every time you spend some money, they roll up to the nearest pound. Yes. Which, uh, so, why would you? And it puts it into a little savings account. And I think in a couple of weeks, a friend of mine saved 15 quid. And it's sometimes when you see that few pence adds up to a number, or it really, you don't see it until you get that final result. So we've been prattling on for a long time, which I love. So, academic outcomes, we love measuring them. Soft outcomes are hard to measure, but their impact is easy to see.
1: Yes. And they yeah. are generally used as the excuse or the reason for academic outcomes.
0: Now, if you are use if you are a school which has lots of detentions or you use things like that and behavior for not turning up with the right colored pens or right wrong socks or anything like that, in reality you can measure soft outcomes by a reduction of things. So you could kind of measure it if you're going down everything is punishable to so you can kind of measure reduction, but hopefully you're teaching that not just punishing but those life outcomes is you will probably never really be able to measure them because it's not about being able to do that at 16 it's it's setting them on a path that they can do things in life on their own yes and it is it is really interesting when you get brought up a certain way and you think it's either slightly normal slightly odd because you talked to others, where do you go on holiday? And, my, and I had loads of friends who went to Spain every year. I got really jealous because we just went camping or sailing or somewhere in the UK and was like, we never go to Spain. Now I realize they went to the same hotel every week. Every They literally went from where we lived in Croydon to Gatwick to there. And that's the only place the only three places they ever went was Croydon, Gatwick, and <laughs> Spain somewhere. Whereas I did loads of stuff and my parents would get me to navigate somewhere. Yeah. So you're navigating here. And I go, what? <laughs> and they pointed out where to get to, and I'd have to work out how to do it and which roads, and And they taught me all these skills. And then as we got older, we started doing stuff with my friends without our parents, my friends were scared of things.
1: And you were the leader because you've got those skills.
0: I was like, we well, just got to London. They're like, what? When London, it's like half hour by train. Oh, that's a bit scary. No, no, look, it's it's time a travel card was a fiver. So it was a fiver for a travel card from Croydon, unlimited travel, the whole of London for a fiver. Let's go. They're like, well, how do we know? We just jump on the tube. What's, and they literally had never done any of it. So we go up the first time, blew their mind. Yeah. And I was sort of going, oh. <laughs> but again, and one of the things I will touch on is when I was a governor, did the governor's conference, and there was one of the local secondary schools, we're talking about how they spend their pupil premium. And this, again, it's one of those things you hear and you just make so you think that, This was a school in Bracknell and they had realised that some of their pupils had never left Bracknell. It's a town, not far from London, not far from Reading, not far from Windsor, lots around, not far from Portsmouth, the beach, the sea, lots of options, but they'd never left Bracknell. So they spent their pupil premium money on one Saturday, Taking them to Windsor and given them money to go shopping, which sounds really random. But, the council, but if you've never <laughs> done anything like that and seen Windsor Castle and been to some shops without your parents and just walked around and seen somewhere different and seen the Thames, it had an impact on their English. Yeah. It had an impact on their maths. Yeah. It had an impact on them all around. And I will never understand it because I went all over the country when I was in. My parents, my grandparents lived in Manchester. My aunt lived here. We traveled everywhere. So I saw all over the country. So, yeah, it's real. And even now, as my job, I travel the whole of the country. I'm off to Scotland again soon. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Never leaving one town for the entire existence is really odd to me
1: and it, it stunts things it, it, we talk about social mobility but it, it stunts their um academic outcome because you'll come to an exam paper gcse exam paper a couple of, I know, a couple of weeks ago it might have been last year's paper actually it had the word on it an event and they had to write about an event they had attended and i had a student who was sitting that paper who looked at her and could not access that paper. And at the end of it, their assistant went along to them, sat next to them and said, what's the problem? I've never been to an event. Now, in the exam paper, it said an event like a pop concert, a museum exhibition or something like that. They said, I've never been to an event. She said, but we went to the town hall the other week where you received an award. Well, that wasn't called an event. They just didn't have that vocabulary and experience of all those different things that you can go and do, which we would have had. We would have associated that as an event, even though it wasn't called an event or, you know, an end of year assembly is an event. They could have used that. But they just couldn't do it because they hadn't had those experiences, those life experiences. I think we were so lucky. Our age group was so lucky we had them. You know, most of us had them, I think. They, they just hadn't got it. They hadn't, it wasn't there. And that no. is that life outcome. You couldn't have measured it at age 15, 16. But later on in life, their access to that language and vocabulary is, well, yeah, it's just so important. So important.
0: Many years ago, I did a podcast called why we are the way we are with Alison Knowles, which is really, again, helps you think about things. And it is, and we've done about certainty that you create a world around you from what you see. Mm-hmm. So if your mum's a teacher or one of your parents is a teacher, you, there's a slight chance you're going to be a teacher. If your parents in the police, there's a slight chance you'll probably be in the police Cause it's kind of, it's what, you know, you can see your parents have that job. They do it, it works, fine, I'll go do And that's quite a common thing that you follow in your parents' footsteps because it's a safe thing to go and do. And again, if you've never left Bracknell, if you've never left that town, your experiences are, well, there's shops, there's some of these tall buildings, don't know what goes on in there. Um, There's a range of experiences of what I want to be, what I could be, what I can go and do, what the world can offer me, Is going to be very different to even someone who just goes down to beach holidays and travels and stops off and does things and tries new things. That trying new things is something that some people just love knowing. Yeah. They just, I've got, you know, I've got seven things I do. I'm happy with my seven things. Other people will just go, yeah, I'll give it a go. And in reality, that we want, create children give it a go yeah I'll give it a go yeah.
1: I started my teaching career down in Boreham Wood which is Hertfordshire just imagine picking up the west end of London after the war sorry east end of London after the war and dumping it in the middle of a green field that's Boreham Wood neighbouring Boreham Wood is Elstree so Elstree Studios where they filmed extenders yep. and they filmed a variety of other bits and pieces and when I started teaching which was back in the early 1990s the studios were still open they were still thriving but Everybody in the area worked for the studios. So it's Pinewood or Elk Street, that was where they worked. So your children in the school had this concept of, well, I don't need school. I don't need anything because I'm either going to go and do a bit of part acting. So I need to spare on the set. I'll go and do that. Or I'll go and do the carpentry or I'll go and be a T tea boy or whatever it is. They, they just knew that that was the only place they we were going to go. Boreham Wood is less than 20 minutes from central London, Yeah, literally, on a train. And there is a train station in the centre of Boreham Wood. Get on that train. You're in the centre of London straight away with the world open to you. And they just didn't even think that they were going to do anything beyond Boreham Wood. It's
0: fascinating.
1: It's, It's fascinating. I think that was probably, you know, for me. As I say, it was my very first teaching post after I trained, and it was a big eye opener for me. So it it, it's, it what it's what led me down the path I ended up going down because it was like, how can you be like, almost blinkered? I suppose how, how how can you have such a blinkered viewpoint of things at your age? <laughs>
0: Alison talked about it. You create a tunnel for yourself and you'll then travel down this tunnel. But the only person who put that tunnel there is you. Yeah. And you kind of, you can literally just at any point, just go, I'm going to turn right here. And there isn't, there isn't actually a tunnel. You just, in your head, you see it. And, and yeah, those life skills is, is all about trying to change that and they are really important.
1: Just after I left there I went to go and teach in Staffordshire and it was in the years when we, when education had money being thrown at it so summer schools and all the rest of it. Very similar kind of catchment, it was a, a, a mining district so everybody thought they were going to go down the mines, they hadn't quite closed them all at that time and it was in that summer school, what we did was we put kids on coaches, a little bit like you were describing. We took them to Warwick Castle. We took them to we took them to Tesco's to go and make raspberry donuts. We took them to a mobile phone factory in Staffordshire to go and see how mobile phones were made because they were just becoming popular at the time. And it was such an eye-opener to some of those students of, oh, I don't have to go and do that. I can go and do these things and yeah yeah, yeah, that was amazing as a teaching experience that was an amazing experience to be involved in but a life experience for those students that gave them something else to aim for that wasn't as you say down at the end of the tunnel
0: you could think of the academic outcomes are keys oh yeah but the problem is you only think there's one door and having those life that all those skills all the things will tell you actually there's millions of doors and
1: not all of them are locked
0: yes and one of the things i, I did a careers evening at my daughter's school went along and there's a careers person there who said we have all 1400 careers and i was like sorry there are only 1400 no just the fact you've said that is kind of your mentality is it's limited yes no no there is unlimited and you can do it however you can make your own there are so, yeah. So life life skills, the life outcomes are really important. One of the things I really wish schools would really dive into, which I don't think we will for a long time because it's not easy to quantify and measure, project work. Yeah. Yeah. You could say everything you do with your company is projects, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. You don't do English, you don't do maths, you do projects. You take all the stuff, you put it all together. And it's all about giving children a why, yeah, those life skills, if we can go do this, you can go do that, you can go get this, you can get this, you can do this, you can do anything. That life skills will unlock the academic skills and see why they need those academic skills. Quite a long one. But yeah, I've put some of those lists of things I wish I'd learned, and a lot of them cover the same things. One of them, the top one was 50 things I wish I'd learned in school, which is quite a long list, which goes all over the place. There's a help teaching website, high-speed training. I So I've written a load of them and you'll see there's a very common themes across all of these wish i learned. And that is for non-SEM people. Mm. Yeah. These are the people Well, they could be, it might be unidentified, but this is them, but let's take that back is when you're sitting there, wish I wish I could learn how to wire a plug or I wish, and it was really simple things. You're going, Oh. I just picked that up. And it helps you think that actually, what skills are children not being picked up? What would make a difference? And yeah, that paying for a coffee, not surprising, which is quite shocking because of how sheltered children are these days.
1: One thing I wish I'd learned at school: first aid. I had to go and seek it outside of school, but as a life skill, Although saying that, I, I hate the first aid curriculum because you learn how to deal with heart attacks and broken bones and you know cut arteries when actually most of the first aid you do is dealing with a minor burn, a graze or a small cut. <laughs> so I really wish we'd had a nice, simple first aid. What, what do I do when I've got sunburn? What should I do when I have, you know, chop my finger with the kitchen knife. Do I actually need to go to hospital with it or do I just run it underwater for a few minutes and see what happens? That that kind of, yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm quite lucky. I've learned I learned lots of skills outside of school. And
1: that's it. I learned mine outside of school, but it wasn't in school.
0: And I don't know if I wanted to learn some of those in school. <laughs> what I wish I'd learned in school is the reason why I'm learning what I'm learning. There you go. That didn't happen when I was at school. We spent a term or two reading Romeo and Juliet, and I have no idea why, what I was supposed to get out of it or anything. And I literally just listened to the teacher read and then explain what was going on going, why should I read a book where someone's got to explain to me what it says? What is, why can't I just read a book I can understand? What is it I'm supposed to be? Just that would have helped me a lot better, which I think we do get more now. So thank you for coming on the show today, Abigail. We'll be putting the links to things, those Wish I Learned in School lists, because they're quite fun to go through. And also putting Abby's contact details. You'll find the show notes on our wall wherever you listen to podcasts. So thank you for listening. If you haven't subscribed already, please click on that subscribe button. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search for the Sendcast and you'll find us. And if you are struggling to show progress, if your assessment process is over complicated, takes too long, or you just want to see what's available, have a look at the B squared website or book a free online meeting with me. So I can take you through our products. We have a range of assessment products to help all schools show small steps of progress for pupils, SEND. And I personally feel we do hit the academic, the soft skills and the life skills with what we do. Just kind of throw that in there. Cause they are important. And yeah, we have a, fr- a framework called autism progress. And it really helps people see that yeah they're not making progress over there in the academic stuff because of this is their barrier. So if you're schooled in England, still not sure about the engagement model, not quite using the pre key stage standards correctly or anything else around assessment, please get in contact. You can also find out about our online training, our conferences, read our blog, watch any of our webinars. It's all on the B squared website and you'll find a link to the website and to book a meeting with me in the show notes. So thank you for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode of the SENDcast. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. Bye, everyone.